Gaudete in Domino Semper. Rejoice always in the Lord. Ngorebano, O genine, ni medimeno. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, these words taken from the introit of today's Mass, from the letter of Paul to the Philippians, chapter 4, verse 4, gave this Sunday its name, Gaudete Sunday. For those who may not be familiar with the history of the church and tradition, the period of preparation for Christmas used to be as severe as the period of preparation for Easter. Advent was a type of Lent and Christians subjected themselves to penance, severe penance and prayer. Halfway in the journey towards Christmas, this message of joy came, rejoice, because the Lord is at hand. Similarly, during Lent, you have the Letere Sunday, which also enjoins Christians to rejoice because the Feast of the Resurrection for which we are preparing is drawing near. Symbolically, the journey towards Christmas is represented by this wreath the Advent wreath you find on the altar. This symbol is defective for two reasons. One, the colors are not correct. And two, more candles should be lit. This is a wreath of four candles representing the four weeks of Advent. The four, three of those four candles are purple in color, the color of Advent and Lent. And one of them is pink in color. And in the Catholic Church, every single thing we do has meaning. Every symbol has origin and has meaning and points to something greater. If I were to explain the meaning of each of the candles, it will take us longer time. But the candle that is on today is the candle of joy. It is called the candle of the shepherds. It is the candle that announces the joy that the shepherds experience when they went to Bethlehem to encounter the newborn baby. And it is the candle that invites all of us to prepare 
for that same joy that comes from that encounter. Advent, time of preparation for infinite joy that comes from an encounter with Christ. The Lord is near. It is in the spirit that we are gathered here this morning in our joyfulness because we came from different places where we would not have come to attend Mass here. We may mistakenly tell you we came here to celebrate John on Nyangodo. Ikukehe. If I want you, I ask you to come, and you usually do. We came here to celebrate Jesus Christ, the Eucharist. That is the reason why we are here. That is the source of our joy. That is the source of our life. And if this man sitting here is able to gather all of us around this table in joyfulness and thanksgiving, it is only because he has attempted as much as lies within his power to live out that joy of encounter with the Eucharistic Lord. That is why we are here. But there is a paradox in the announcement of joy from the introit and the first reading, I.J., happy to see you, to the gospel. The gospel was not so joyful. Close to Christmas, John is presented as a man in crisis. Don't forget that John, yes, as the Lord says, was greater than a prophet. John was prepared for a mission. And John came from a priestly family and was supposed to have been a priest, was educated by his father, the priest, Zachariah. He knew what the prophets thought. He knew what the people were expecting. He was not an ignorant man. But John sends a message to Jesus through his disciples. Go and ask that man, are you the one who is to come or should we wait for another person? Is it possible John did not know Jesus? The account of Luke's gospel of the conception of John and of Jesus tells us that when Mary went to visit Elizabeth, her cousin, Elizabeth exclaimed, the moment I heard your voice, the child in my womb leapt for joy. Luke chapter 1 verse 44. Is it possible that this baby who recognized the Lord in the womb at this point no longer knew him? John baptized Jesus. And we read in the accounts of baptism, Matthew chapter 3, 13 to 17, 
Mark chapter 1, 9 to 11, and Luke chapter 3, 21 to 22, that when Jesus came to be baptized by John, John protested, no, sir, no, I am the one to be baptized by you. You are greater than I. I'm not worthy to untie your sandals. Jesus said, let it be, for that is how the Lord wants it now. Not only that, precisely in John chapter 1 from verses 29, John says, behold the Lamb of God. He was announcing him to his followers. I did not know him. Something like, I didn't know it was this my cousin. But the Spirit told me, whoever, who sent me to baptize, told me, whoever you see the Spirit descending upon, he's the one. And he said, I have seen that. And I believe. He knew. What was the problem? Last Sunday, we heard the reading from the Gospel of Matthew. John was baptizing and calling the people to repentance. And he was convincing many people. The Jews came, Pharisees came, scribes came, lawyers came. Very difficult group to convert. Lawyers, judges. When you make your own money. But they came asking for conversion. John told them, you brood of vipers. Who told you to flee? John even challenged the soldiers. Dare to challenge any of these soldiers on the checkpoints in eastern Nigeria now. And you will not only do frog jump. If you survive it, you will not be able to tell the story. John challenged soldiers. And he told them, the axe is already at the foot of the tree. And any tree that does not bear fruit will be cut down. That was John. And he dared the most difficult leader of the time. Herod. And Herod picked him up and put him in prison. John said, in a minimum work. You know the man I'm serving, he will say to you that I don't stay here. Probably that was John's reasoning. In the glory of his fame, when John was preaching, he was convinced. He understood the mission of the Messiah. He had cut out his own image of the Messiah. And he was sure this Messiah would correspond to that image. One day passed. Two days passed. We don't know how many days passed. In solitary isolation, John probably found himself holding a conversation with rats and cockroaches. Nelson Mandela tells us that he once caught himself holding a conversation with a cockroach in his isolation in prison. John asks his disciples, go and ask that man, what is wrong? I have him in the tribunal since. Look, you are supposed to wipe away all those evil men. 
of my priests, Father Oliver is, no, you people know that. Bishop Olaga and Bishop John, sorry, Musoka has a great concentration of very intelligent priests and holy ones as well. Michael Enegeb, one of us. <laughs> yes, I know we all claim him one of my priests, Father Olivese, while analyzing this crisis of faith of John, said, we don't hear or read anywhere in the Bible that Jesus sent people to visit John in prison or that he went himself. Is it possible that the man who said we will be judged by how many times we visit prisoners did not care about a preacher who was imprisoned for preaching justice? <laughs> but the fact remains, John was disappointed. People who want to be pious in this interpretation will tell you, John sent his disciples not for himself, but for the sake of the disciples. Because sometimes we try to paper over difficult passages of the gospel. At some moment of his own isolation, Jesus cried out on the cross, Father, why have you forsaken me? That is the struggle of any true human being, no matter how holy you are. There are moments of darkness, moments of crisis. But Father Oliver's reflection reminded me of something. As a bishop, as a parish priest, as a governor, as president, anybody in charge of others, how you react to your people in their moment of tragedy may affect their faith. If they think you don't care, Father Anone defend the church, he defend the bishop, and he falls into trouble. Bishop Obagbama and Kucheshi, all the gizzi to be here. But the main disappointment of John was the method of Jesus. He had probably expected a Messiah who would with the justice and wrath of God wipe away all evil men and restore the kingdom and drive away the Romans. Jesus' reply was like, look John, I know where you are coming from, but I'm not what you and others expect. And I am not what you and others want me to be. I am whom my father has made me to be. It is my father's will. My father has cut out my job description for me. Not the other way around. You don't tell me how to carry out this assignment. Satan tried at the moment of temptation. He told him, be gone, Satan. My dear brother bishops and priests, this is a lesson for all of us. 
very often in our desire to do what the people want, to let our ministry correspond with the expectations of the people, we betray our mission. I've often said it that popularity is an enemy to spirituality. Some priests, Anthony Akiwale, other of preachers, would say, rather than being ministers, have become ministers. Celebrity status is a dangerous distraction for a minister of the gospel. And the desire to fulfill people's expectations is capable of derailing the mission of any priest. And some have really become something else, anything else except Catholic priests. Today, we have many Catholic priests who have become worse than Pentecostal pastors because, oh, Bishop, John, no offense is bros, but you are not the one to tell me what to do. So go and tell him. He should know better. Let him check the scriptures. Isaiah chapter 35, verses 5 to 6. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 to 2. They describe partially what I should be doing. The blind see, the lame walk, the dead are risen, and above all the poor have the good news preached to them. That is what the Messiah should be bringing. You'd better not take scandal in me. Otito Dregeso. What kind of kingdom are we expecting from Christ? What type of church do we think the Catholic Church should be in order to be tailored according to our own wishes, whims, and desires? This is a lesson to all of us. Rejoice in the Lord always. Gaudete in domino semper. And Jesus said, the limitation of John is not his goodness. His limitation is openness to God's own wisdom, God's own plan. And that is why St. James tells us, be patient. God does not work according to our own canons and categories. Gaudete, Gaudete in Domino. Rejoice in the Lord. As we prepare for the celebration of Christmas, we have another additional reason to rejoice. Our brother John Nyangwodo is celebrating 70 years. Constant misinterpretation of the Bible 
has made some biblical verses say what they did not mean to say. In Psalm 90 verse 10, we read, Our span is 70 years or 80 for those who are strong. And some will tell you that the Bible has set a limit to the years of a human being. If you are up to 70, you have reached that limit. And if you get up to 80, you are even strong. That is not what the psalmist is saying in that passage. The psalmist is actually lamenting that the life of human beings have become short. And he is pleading with God to have mercy. Our span is 70 years or 80 for those who are strong. And most of these are emptiness and pain. Have mercy, Lord. But above all, teach us the shortness of our life so that we may learn wisdom. If you are here, Abbas Woka, J. John, the photographer, and he is here to look at the And I would kindly request all photographers to disappear and allow people to worship God. When people tell you that our span is 70 years and 80 for those who are strong, they forget that the Lord himself did not set limits to our age. It is our sinfulness that cuts our life short. One cardinal in Rome turned 80. And while he was being celebrated and congratulated, somebody told him, we wish that you will live to be 100. And he answered, don't set limits to God's providence. There is no limit to God's providence. It is not about 70. It is not about 80. It is about what the scriptures say in the book of Wisdom, chapter 5. Long years are not what make life honorable, but wisdom and holiness. Don't expect me to catalog your achievements here. I know that you have done much in your life. As a matter of fact, because you became famous so early, 
Yes, <laughs> but it was St. Patrick's Primary School, Liver Valley, Holy Ghost Primary School, Uwi, and College of Immaculate Conception in Ugu, who made you who you are today. You are never tired of reminding everybody that when you were going to school as a son of a federal minister, you we are attending the same primary school with the son of your father's driver. Because that time there were no two categories of schools, one for the elite and the other for the poor. All of us who are above 60 today, who have made it impossible for our children to get quality education, should ask ourselves what we have done with our lives. We thank God for you. We thank God for what you have done with your life. But more especially, we thank God for the fact that like your master and Lord Jesus Christ, you have refused to let popular expectations define your mission. And this is what you inherited from your very devout parents. And this is what we thank God for and what we encourage every other person to realize that we have the possibility of doing. We ask you, how old are you? Permit me to take advantage of my smattering knowledge of some other languages. Italians would not ask you how old are you. They will ask you quanti anni I, and the French will ask you quel age at you. Both meaning how many years do you have? And you would answer I have 70 years. But do you have 70 years? Let me change the years to money. If anybody asks you, how much money do you have? It is not how much money you have spent, but how much money you still have to spend. 
So Niawodo, how many years do you still have to spend a mara? You don't know. You sitting there, how many years do you have? You don't know. Age is about how many years you have invested. Because those are the only years that belong to you. They are like pages of your diary or calendar that you have filled with substance and nobody can take that away from you. How have you invested your years? Because those are the only years you have. The ones you have invested in a common good. The same can be said of material wealth. How much of it have you invested? From next week, EJMI will be And you say you have money in the bank. Well, let me not say more. But we know that the money in the bank is not ours. The bank will trade with it and give you 2%. And if you want to ask you to ask them to give you part of it to trade as well, they will ask you for 30%. How much time do you still have? How have you invested your years? Be patient with God. Don't expect God to turn the world according to your plan. Meanwhile, invest your time in him and you will reap joy. Finally, Gaudete in Domino Semper. Rejoice in the Lord always. Unfortunately, these words will not be heard by many of my Christians today. In St. Augustine's parish, Umuhu, in Holy Cross parish, Yehamufu, in St. Thomas's parish, Ebo, in St. Paul's parish, Agwame de Papara, and probably in so many other parishes, in Ibuizis, north and south, my people will not hear this message because they won't go to church. They are running for their dear lives. And among many who may hear it, it will not make any sense because the suffering is too much. What are we to rejoice about and for? It is Christmas. Whose Christmas? Lord, where are you? And I keep asking, Anya, you have a wide reach. You have many friends, and many of them in very powerful positions. Tell your friends, Banya the boy. How did we get ourselves in this anarchy, chaos, and imminent doom in which we find ourselves for? And all those responsible for that are above my age, from my age upwards. And most of them are apparently ostensibly good Catholics and good Christians and Muslims who are faithful in observing their prayers and receiving communion. How did we get here? Amaloswa, Niso. 
We are all responsible for this mess because we have refused to be Christians. And until our joy comes from doing the will of the Lord, there will be no peace. All these wars, fightings, insurgencies, crushings and imprisonments, they are only serving the interests of a few. The thing that will transform us is internalizing the law of God, especially the law of love. And as you make efforts to continue to do that, John Nyangwodo, I'll tell you, rejoice in the Lord. Always rejoice.